Welcome to the Love Lab Podcast, a safe place to get real about sex. Whether you're a man, woman, single, or couple, this is the show for you. We are your hosts, Kevin Anthony and Celine Remy, and we are here to guide you to go from good to amazing in the bedroom and beyond. All right, welcome back to the Love Lab Podcast. This is episode 133, and it's titled, How Your Attachment Style Affects Your Relationship. Okay, you know, I'm I, I almost can't believe we haven't done an attachment style episode so far at 133 episodes. We're just now getting to it. But I, one of the reasons why I say that is because we hear about attachment styles so frequently. We have multiple friends and even clients who are really big into attachment styles. And you can't have a conversation about their current relationship without them going, well, you see, because my attachment style, right? So... <laughs> So obviously, it's something that people are paying attention to, and I think it would be really good to have a great discussion about what they are, what it means for your relationship, how does it affect your sex life, and all that kind of stuff. So we have an expert on attachment styles today on the show, and we're going to dive deep into all of this. So if you're one of our friends who's constantly talking about attachment styles, do not turn this show off. <laughs> <laughs> you might learn a thing or two. Yeah. So before we introduce today's guest, let's give a big shout out to our sponsor, Power & Mastery. So if you want to join the secret club of men who are great in bed, then check out Power & Mastery at powerandmastery.com. It is the most complete sexual mastery training for men, whether you want to have harder erections, last longer, or increase your sexual skills, there is something for you at powerandmastery.com. Today we have Kirsty Taylor. She is a dating and relationship writer who found a loyal internet following through her candid essays. Her work has been featured in Cosmopolitan Magazine, Well Plus Gold, and the Washington Post, The Lily. She currently lives in LA where she continues to write words that help with their biggest struggles in love. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much, Kirsty, for being here today. We're excited. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited. This is going to be so fun to talk about. <laughs> so I want to start at the beginning because some people might be wondering what are attachment styles? What are they talking about? So why don't you give our listeners a little bit of an overview of what attachment styles are? Totally. So attachment styles are an adult relationship theory that's based off of how we were raised as children. So it started in the 1950s by a guy named John Bowlby and a woman named Mary Ainsworth. And they studied the way that parents raise their how parents raise their child um, affects their ability to um, have relationships as adults and their intimate, how they're able to um, experience intimacy. Um, since the 1950s, when it started, you know, started to become a thing and a theory. There's just been so much studies in different aspects of uh, attachments uh, theory and how it affects your relationships, uh, your sexual, your sex life, your um, family relationships, everything. But essentially what it is, like to break it down, is that everyone has either one of four main attachment styles. And those are secure, anxious, dismissive avoidant, and fearful avoidant. Um, a really great way to explain it is that they, it wasn't John Bowlby, it was this, another researcher did a test and they called it the strange, um, the strange situation test. And essentially like these kids would be placed in this room 
And they would have their mom there and a researcher there. And the researcher would prompt the mom to leave and they would study how the child react reacted. So secure baby would be like, oh, my mom left. Oh no, where'd she go? But they could regulate their emotions. They'd calm down and then they'd start playing with toys. An anxious baby would be like, oh my God, my mom left and start breaking down and would not be able to self-regulate and would just not be okay until the mom came back inside. Um, And then the two avoidance would just kind of be like, oh, it is what it is. And like, just keep playing. And the mom would come back and they'd be like, oh, what's up? Like not really phased. And so that's kind of how that's like a very basic way of explaining um, the attachment styles and in the sense of like how we were when we were kids. And therefore, because of things like how our parents raised us, how they were able to give us attention when we were babies. Like if we cried, did they coddle us or did they, were they not around? Um, did they let us cry for longer than another baby or were they really good and were they really attentive parents? Um, but what's interesting about attachment style is that more recently they've realized that your attachment style can 100% change throughout your life. Once your parental Um, relationship is replaced with romantic relationships, now you can have your attachment style change because of a romantic partner. Say you have someone who um, was really mean and emotionally abusive, all of a sudden you can go from secure to anxious, or you go from anxious to avoid it. Um, And so... Yeah, that was long-winded. <laughs> no, that's that's great. That gives people a good foundation. I'm I'm curious just about one thing that you just said there at the end that it can change. Is there any data or research like how frequently does it change? Because I know that for most patterns and things that get ingrained in us from about zero to six, those things are extremely hard to change. They're yeah. like hardwired into the system, right? So we're talking kind of about a similar thing. And I'm just curious, how often does it really change for people? Oh, so yeah, it doesn't, it's not often that it changes. It has to either be really traumatic, like I said, with a very horrible relationship that was, that really rocked your world, or that you put a lot of work into yourself to try and change it. But it's definitely not like you're flowing in between all the time. It's usually something that's really big that happens. But I love that you're bringing this up because a lot of people define themselves by they do a test or they figure out, oh, I'm this attachment style. So therefore, my whole life now is going to go this way, you know, or like they they read their horoscope and this is it, you know. Well, I believe that these are trends or they can show you what you have to deal with your cards but then you still choose how you want to play with the cards you have and you can pick new cards and like you said it does require work but I have in my personal experience changed different things about my personality or things about myself that I wasn't so happy about and it took some awareness and dedication but I know it's possible so I love that from the start, from the get-go, you are you are putting the frame that you're not defined by that style. It can show you where you are, maybe where there needs to be some growth. And then we'll talk about strategies later. But this is fantastic. So, Kevin, you have one more thing to, to add? or? <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to make a joke. I said talking about this uh, is reminding me of the Meet the Fockers movie. 
Don't infantilize him, Fokker. We're ferberizing him. <laughs> I don't know if, if anyone listening remembers that movie, right? It's the second... Uh, uh, Learning to self-soothe. Yeah, yeah. They, they, were, they were doing this method where they were basically ignoring the kid no matter how much you cried, no matter what he did, you know? <laughs> so think about the, the destruction happening there later in life. Truly, that kid probably came, became a very avoidant. Okay. <laughs> so why is it important for people to know about these attachment styles? Yeah. So honestly, like what you just said earlier is that is the big one. Like once you kind of learn for me, so personally for me, when I first learned about attachment styles and realized I had this anxious attachment, I was like, wow, this makes so much sense. It kind of puts to words everything that I'm feeling. And now that I kind of understand why I am the way that I am, I can change it because it's not fun being super anxiously attached. It's not fun being super avoidantly attached. And what's even worse is that there are very, there's a lot of studies and like psychology that goes behind it. But when you're an anxious person and you're an avoidant person, you tend to date each other. And that relationship is literally just like the worst relationships you could possibly be in. And it's basically like my entire dating life in a nutshell up until recently. Um, so yeah, like understanding it gives you the power to just become healthier in relationships. Yeah. yeah. I, I love that point. And this is something that we talk about whether, you know, you're talking about astrology or human design or gene keys or any of these things, I think it's really important for people to understand that they will tell you your predisposition. They will tell you maybe how you're wired, but that you can, you can do work. You can do things to change that and you don't have to suffer with whatever style that's not working for you. Um, And then the next thing, the next question that we wanted to ask is, this is a great segue, which is, you mentioned if you have two different, you know, avoidant and anxious, and they, they tend to gravitate towards each other, and they're terrible relationships. I don't want to necessarily talk specifically about just that style. The question really is, well, what happens if your partner is a different style? And maybe you can give us some examples of, you know, different styles, how they work and how they don't work. Yeah, totally. Um, so your, your partner most likely will be uh, a different style than you. It's not often that, like, the only thing that is off that you see often in relationships is a secure person dating a secure person. That's us. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, but like an avoidant person and an avoidant person will never form a deep relationship because they're both avoiding the intimacy. An anxious person will just make another anxious person more anxious and they probably won't be very happy. Not that they'd be happy, anxious and avoidant, but it's just more messy. Um But the question about like how, I guess, should I go first into how to tell if your partner or you have a certain style and kind of like describe them each? Yeah, I think that'd be, that'd be a good, uh, a good way to get into, into the styles. Go for it. Yeah. Okay. So I like to explain that like avoidant of, well, we'll, I'll break it down into dismissive avoidant and fearful avoidant. So dismissive, dismissive avoidant is the like, um, just uninterested in deep relationships, uninterested in getting close, not necessarily uh, commitment phobes because that's more fearful avoidant, but dismissive avoidant is just they, when someone starts to become close to them, they just want to keep their distance because intimacy just feels uncomfortable. They just essentially don't really, 
they feel like they don't want it. So they're very independent people. They're very, um, they are, they're not good at like expressing their emotions. They don't want to express their emotions. And then fearful avoidant people want to be intimate, but it scares the shit out of them. Like they're like, we, this, us sharing our feelings is is scary. I can't do this. Or like, I see us getting close and you're going to hurt me. You're going to um, break up with me. Like, this is scary. They push it away. Um, anxious to people like me, um, which I'm just slightly anxious because I work on it all the time, obviously. Um, <laughs> and anxious people are the people that are, that tend to be, you know, the clingers that tend to be the ones that are labeled as crazy because we try to not be anxious at first and show that side of us. But then we get in deep relationships and all of a sudden we're, we're needy and like people will be like, Oh wow, that person's crazy. So we're very, um, we want to be close. We overthink relationships. Uh, I, I, I'm sorry. I made like a list. So I made sure I like hit every point I wanted to. Um, oh, and we have a very stark fear of rejection. So that's another thing that that's usually a very guiding factor for anxiously attached people is that they are scared that they'll be rejected. So they do all the things that people pleasing, like pre- pleasing their partner over their needs. That's very common of anxiously attached people. And then securely attached people like you two and like everyone hopes to be is that, you know, emotion, like they might not necessarily be great at expressing their emotions, but they don't fear it. They are okay with talking about their emotions. Um, You know, they, they don't rush into relationships, but they also don't avoid them. They are able to respect boundaries. Uh, boundaries are really another big way to determine someone's attachment style, whether or not they can respect them or have zero lack of them. Um, but secure attached people are respectful of boundaries and have their own and can set them. So that's like the way to be able to tell if you have uh, what style you have, what style your partner has. And then once you determine that, there's like a whole slew of ways that you can be a better partner depending on your attachment style. Yeah. So that, that was great. I really appreciated that because that really makes it uh, easier for people to understand, you know, well, what attachment style am I versus my partner? And then the question uh, we come back to is, you know, what happens if your partner is different? So, you know, give us just a couple, maybe examples from that slew. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Um, So if you're, if your partner is an anxiously attached person, really what they're, You know, I think it's really important to say that, like, obviously, if someone struggles really hard with an attachment style, the work needs to come from them, too. Like, you know, you can't create, make someone change themselves. Like, that person needs to want to change themselves. But as far as, like, if you're dating an anxiously attached person, doing things like having open communication with them, do it like weekly check-ins with them, um, just understanding more this, like, driving they just driving like overthinking anxiety that they have in relationships and being a bit more patient will be really helpful. Um, and then with, if your partner is avoidantly attached, you, that they may need things to be taken more slowly. Um, they'll probably need more communication, but in the sense of like understanding and helping them guide, helping guide them to understanding their feelings um, cause avoidance tend to just not want to be talk about it and therefore aren't as in touch with their feelings. Um, 
So really, if you're, if you realize that like there's two different attachment styles, there are definitely ways to mediate them. But I'm going to go back to like the avoidant and anxious. Uh, it's actually known as like the avoidant anxious trap. It is very hard to be in a relationship with someone if you have an anxious attachment style and they have an avoidant one. Um, Cause it tends to be like the anxious person will like want to cling to the relationship more and that clinginess makes the avoidant person want to pull away and that pulling away makes the person that's anxious want to cling more and then it's just like a vicious cycle of never really meeting each other's needs um so that one's hard with a lot of communication and personal work to work on each attachment style personally um it could change but it is very hard so I find this fascinating, obviously. It's just so funny. <laughs> it's not really funny, but like to see how s such opposite are drawn to each other, how like you choose people that will just push the exact button that you need to heal and grow from, basically. And that's really what this is bringing. And it's reminding me of something from my personal experience in a previous relationship where I think I've always been secure But I definitely still had things around really feeling accepted for who I was or who I am. And in that relationship, it was really showing up that I wanted moments where I was allowed to be what I called be the baby, where mm -hmm. I would just kind of sit on his lap and he would just like stroke my hair or just hold me. And I could like allow myself to be in baby energy, which is absolutely not sexy when you're thinking about it for your relationship. But we created this, this term where I was like, can Can I be the baby? Like I would literally ask for it and I could have like a five, 10 minutes window where I could get into this and he would hold me and just kind of like, let me be in there, never like judging me or anything. And then it was over. And at the beginning of the relationship, I think I was doing it fairly often. And I believe that it, you know, it might have taken maybe a year or so. And then it's something that I basically never had to do again. Mm -hmm. And then by the time I got into the relationship with Kevin, I, I never did this with you, mm -hmm. never had to do that. But what I'm realizing is the ability to be in touch with your needs and to be willing to express them and then find strategies is really I guess, how you can move past that. And, and, and I'm sure we'll talk more about strategies in a little bit, but I thought that it was a good story to illustrate because honestly, having to admit that you want to be the baby and that, I mean, it's not very, again, like you, you, it's very vulnerable. It's kind of embarrassing, but it was so healing. And to have a partner who was willing to play along and hold that energy for me for those few minutes and then we could move on was really a big transformation. That's so interesting. I think that goes back to, you know, the, we moved from our parents to romantic relationships and, you know, maybe there's somewhere you felt like that, that need wasn't met to the full extent that you needed it to with your parents. And then you replace that with your romantic partner. And yeah, I mean, it can, yeah, it might sound weird or whatever, but like, it's a need you needed and now you don't. And that's so interesting because you We're able to fulfill it in a romantic relationship. And I guess, like you said, it, it takes a partner who's willing to and open to it and non-judgmental. 
Yeah, it's a beautiful example. And I would also caution people to, to not get stuck in those areas, right? Because the whole, mm-hmm. the whole point of that was really to heal that aspect of yes. you, that place where, you know, maybe your parents were constantly uh, forcing you to always be the grown up adult one and never allowing you to really just be a kid, you know, it might come from there. And but once you once you were able to do that, then you could let it go. And I think maybe that's an important point to make is that try not when you're working on these things to get stuck in those patterns, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I see that a lot with the anxious attached community because mm-hmm. they you know flock to me with my content that I put out into the internet. Um, is that some of them just don't realize that things can be different, right? Like they overthink, they worry, they're super jealous and they don't realize that putting in the work, they can, they can change it. You know, they're not a victim. You're not a victim. You're never going to be a victim. You can work on yourself and it can change. And uh, yeah, that we've, we talked about it before, but it's just like playing into the victim card. Like you can't just be like, Oh, I have an anxious attachment style. Woe is me. This is my life. Like you can change things. Yeah. So strategies are great to help us when we need them. And ultimately what we want to do is try to move past, try to heal whatever that thing is, you know? Right. So we use the strategies when, while we need them. And then we try to move past it. I think is the, the most important point for people when they're really struggling with something like that is to not, like you said, not get stuck in victim and just be there forever. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk more about uh, sexuality and attachment style and how it affects all of that and, and, and dive more into this. But before that, we want to um, do a little sponsor break here and thank Onnit for sponsoring today's show. And uh, if you uh, know about those times where you can't, you're like so focused into what you're doing. You close that big deal. You win that game. You make love for hours and everything is effortless and it just flows. You have just now been in touch with what's called the flow state. And flow state is the optimal level of consciousness where you can perform at your best. Now, sometimes it can happen on its own or you can help yourself get to a flow state. And that's when Onnit and Alpha Brain comes into focus. Alpha Brain helps you achieve a flow state and support other aspects of cognitive function for better memory, focus, and mental processing. So if you want to give Alpha Brain a try and really get into that zone state, um, go to onnit.com, it's O-N-N-I-T.com, and use our coupon code LOVELAB to save 10% off your purchase. So go to Onnit and use coupon code LOVELAB at the checkout. You know, I would love to tell our artists, I've never actually said this, but the way that you really support this show is by buying the products from the sponsors. (laughs) If you really want to support what we're doing, if there's something that appeals to you, like you're like, wow, yeah, I could use some flow state and some alpha brain. Like you got to actually buy it. That's how you support the program. (laughs) And that's how we keep giving you free content. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So Kirsty, how do attachment style affect your sex life? Because we are on the Love Lab podcast. We love to get into that so tell us more (laughs) yeah it's actually so interesting it's definitely interesting I mean it applies so directly um you know the different attachment styles are able to communicate their needs or meet someone's needs in different ways um you know secure people tend to have actually studies show that secure people have the best sex lives um you know yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
That's true. <laughs> um, yeah, secure people are able to speak their needs. They're able to communicate with their partner and, you know, meet the partner's needs. Um, avoidant people, I mean, well, yeah, we'll go into avoidant first. Um, avoidant people tend to just kind of focus on themselves. And so they see sex as like a very primal, like just get it in and get it done. And like, they don't want that intimacy necessarily. So, you know, things like cuddling and stuff like afterwards is not their type of thing. Um, they might be, they might be a little bit more selfish, but not necessarily like maliciously, like they're not trying to be, but it's just naturally to them. Like they don't see sex as this, like connecting thing it's just let's feel good let's get this over with like sex is great but like that's all it is and then the anxious people and I found this true in my sex life is that I always had um you know issues speaking up for or I always say like advocating for my orgasm like speaking up for my needs communicating um studies also show that anxious people are more likely to have painful sex. They're more likely to have to orgasm less. They're more likely to have their needs met. They just feel more um, awkward about speaking because they see sex as this, like we are, they see it as so much more of the emotional aspect than the physical aspect. They want validation, so they have sex with people. They want to be close with someone, so they have sex. They want the idea, like, we are together, and I know this because we are having sex. So they don't care necessarily if they're having good sex. They don't care if it hurts. They just want their partner to be pleasured. Um, and so, yeah, it's wild, but, yeah, it, it applies directly to, like, the sex life. Um, yeah. Is there a correlation between gender and particular attachment styles because in a sense when you're describing the avoidance and i'm making a generalization this describes some of the behavior that people attribute to the masculine while the uh, anxious describe some of the like negative <laughs> descriptions of the feminine and i was curious if you if there's any study or research that shows like one gender tends to go towards one or the other more? That's a great question. I don't think I've ever really looked deep into that, but if I had to guess, I would 100% agree with the, what you just said in the sense that men aren't, men aren't coddled as much as children as women are because we're, you know, men are taught like you need to be, you need, their emotions aren't good. Like shut that down. Like that's like suppress that. And women are taught to be the caregivers and loving and uh, be able to show their needs and their their emotions and everything. So I can see that 100% correlating to men tend to be the more avoidant, scared to talk about their emotions, just more shut off. And women tend to be wanting the more affections. That's what we're taught is important in life and just how we're raised and everything. And I'm sure that it flips around too, because I know several women that would fit into the avoidant and I've met plenty of men who were in the anxious and needy category too. We're just making generalization, but I was just being curious in that moment about that. Yeah, but you know, that, that is actually a fascinating observation because, because Kirsty, as you pointed out, parents do tend to treat boys different from girls. And so, you know, what we're talking about here is how your parents raised you, how they treated you is what is creating these types of attachment styles. So 
It totally makes sense. Uh, I have a feeling after this show, this might be a new uh, article that Kirstie will be writing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> when you do, share it with us. <laughs> exactly. That's a great question. I'm sure there are studies out there. It's it's wild how many studies are out there on attachment style and when it just came out in like the 50s. But um, I'm sure it's out there. I, there's one other thing that, that I kind of want to uh, sort of stress that we were just talking about, which is that when people talk about uh, attachment styles, they're usually talking about how to have a relationship. Like, how do you have a relationship? But Mm -hmm. what you were sharing about how it affects your sex life is extremely important as well. And and I don't really hear people talking about attachment styles in relations to how they actually have sex in the bedroom. Like why Mm -hmm. maybe they're not interested in going deeper in sex. Why maybe all they want is just the physical. Why they might want more of the cuddling and, you know, that kind of stuff. And I think that's really fascinating. I think, you know, a lot of times if people are feeling frustrated in their sexual relationship because... All he ever wants to do is just, you know, hurry up and get it over with or all she ever wants to do, you know, like, wow, imagine taking this framework now and putting it around that experience and going, oh, wait a minute, maybe that's because of this, right? So that's Mm -hmm. fascinating. I just, I don't really hear people talking about attachment styles very often when it comes to sex. It's always about, well, should, are we in the right relationship? Are we compatible? How do we, you know, get along? That kind of stuff. So... That was yeah, really great there's, stuff. There's so much research out there on that correlation, sexuality and sex satisfaction and attachment style. But you're right. People don't talk about it that much. And there was even when I was researching it, when I first came across it, there was something that I came across was that anxious people tend to um, nitpick. We tend to nitpick. We tend to be the ones that are like, this can be approved upon. This can be approved upon. Like we're always like the anxious anxiety ones. And um, you know, or they they relate the their relationship satisfaction to ideas that they have about relationships. Like we need to be having sex like five times a week, or else we're not happy. Even if that's personally not what would make them happy. And I've done that before. I've been like, you know, we're not having sex enough, even though I'm like, I don't have a super high sex drive anyway. So I'm just like, but I'm like, we need to be having sex all the time, or that means that we're not in a good relationship. So it is really fascinating. And it's crazy that people aren't talking about it that much. You're right. Yeah. So what are the things that can help you be a better partner? So now we know about these attachment style. We know that they can get in the way, but then how do you become a better partner? You've 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 figured out your attachment style. Now what? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. This is a great one. I love talking about this. Um, so if you have an anxious attachment style and overthinking and, um, worrying and all that is something that really affects your love life. Something that can be really great is having a set weekly check-in or even bi-weekly check-in. So it's something that you can look forward to. You know, that there is always going to be, you know, it's great to have open communication. I'm not saying to harbor all, all of your feelings, But since we do tend to nitpick and tend to like overthink things, maybe having that once a week time where you can inventory, take inventory of the relationship as a whole is going to help you relax you a little bit and be like, all right, we always have this time, even if it's biweekly, to check in and like talk about things as a whole. That can be really good. Um, In general, just like 
journaling your thoughts. So your thoughts are always just going to control your mind until you stop letting them. Um, if you are an overthinker and you're constantly worried about like your boyfriend texts you and you're like, what does this text mean? And you're like suddenly like thinking about it for hours, write it down. That thought will have so much less power when you write it down, write down what you think the worst case scenario is, which is probably that they're, they left you forever. Write down what the most, uh, normal like probable case scenario is which is they're busy at work and then like reason with yourself and be like all right it's probably the probable one my thoughts are just running away with for me and on that note once your once your thought is proved wrong like your partner texts you and they're like oh I'm just busy at work sorry remember that take write it down go back when you're feeling really anxious and look at all the times that your thoughts were wrong and you'll slowly start to change them. And on that note with changing them, you know, when you say like, oh, my partner hates me, they're mad at me, change that thought. Be like, my partner is a human and he's taking time to himself because he wants to just relax and that's okay. Like just actively change those thoughts. Um, If you have an ink or avoidant attachment style, what can really help you think differently about things is changing your mindset from like this I- um mindset like I it's me against you when we fight um my needs are are what how this relationship will be the happiest like I need to look out for myself to a we mindset like when you're in a relationship you're a team right so instead when you get into arguments instead of being like um you're being too needy be like how can we come to a solution where you feel comfortable and I feel comfortable what does that look like um going from that I to that we mindset is really helpful and then another thing actually that's really interesting with avoidant people is that it tends to stem from a lack of self-confidence which is really interesting because that's the same for anxious people but they tend to feel very insecure and so they push people away again because they don't want to get hurt so doing anything in general that will help with your self-concept confidence is going to help with your relationship um So that's working through like any, you know, insecurities or traumas that you have, which can be really deep and, you know, maybe therapy needs to be involved, but doing things like, um, we're doing things that really make you happy, pursuing hobbies, starting a new hobby, um, keeping in contact with your friends or even doing something with your partner that makes you feel very self-confident, like, um, starting a new hobby together and you foster that intimacy along with that pride and self-confidence. Um, and then, you know, secure people are pretty a-okay with relationships. Just keep doing what you're doing, uh, have great communication and everything. Um, yeah, I man, I can get into some more. I don't know if that was, that was thorough, but. That was fantastic. Well, yeah. You know, if, if people are really interested, there's so much more that they can dive into. I don't know if you uh, work one-on-one with people, but they can work with you as far as getting deeper into that. But I think that was a really good sort of overall, like, here are some basic tips, some basic things that you can do to try to help if you are one of these particular styles. So yeah, I think that was great. And even as a secure person, everything that Kirsty just laid out, like do all of this. I mean, we do all of these things already. And sometimes it always makes me wonder, I mean, which one comes first, the chicken, the egg, you know, are we secure because we know how to do these things or uh, like... 
Right. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which way did it come first, you know? So. Yeah. And, and honestly, uh, you know, if we were to probably sit back and think about, you know, relationships from, you know, 10, 20, you know, 25, 30, <laughs> in my case, years ago, we might see that we acted very, very differently back then than we do now. So it's, mm-hmm. it's likely that we've changed <laughs> our attachment styles. Yeah. I mean, relationship, I always say like healthy relationships don't just happen. They happen with intention and that goes for anyone anxious, avoidant, secure. Um, and then also Kevin, you made such a good point. If you're interested in this stuff, there's books out there, a really great book that everyone would recommend in the relationship world is attached by Amir Levine. He puts all of this really well into an amazing book. Um, but if it is something that we really struggle with, just do more research. Yeah. You can you can talk to me, you can DM me, um, we can talk, but if it is significantly affecting your life, which it does for a lot of people, um, just doing more research on the subject and reading books on it is going to help significantly. Ooh, so um, we have one more question for you, Kirsty, before you can tell our listener where they can find you. And so we are curious, what is your best sexual talent? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> all right. Like specifics? Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> let's see. That's a great question. What is my best sexual talent? I'm, I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm going to say this, and a lot of girls have said this, but I always, I always get a lot of compliments on my blowjob giving skills. Um. I think also like I've always been really communicative and again with like the anxious attachment style, maybe I'm like always like, what can I do better? So I've just always asked guys, I'm like, what feels really good? Like, what is the best way to do this? Like, what do you like? And so I like to think my blowjob job giving skills are my, my best talent. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> A great skill to have. <laughs> yeah, we, we yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Kirsty, can you tell our listener where they can find more um, of you? And also, I know you have a, a special gift for our listeners as well. Yeah, totally. So um, you can find me on Instagram, which is Words with Kirsty, and Kirsty is K I R S T I E. Um, I'm also on TikTok and. I know it's a newer platform, but I honestly have so many videos out there. So if videos are your thing, that's a great place to find me, which is just Kirsty Taylor. But Taylor has two R's at the end. Um, And then I have a free boundaries guide for everyone that's listening, which is essentially, if you don't know what boundaries are, it teaches you what boundaries are, asks you questions to help you get more, um, more aligned with what your authentic boundaries are and teaches you how to be able to stand up for yourself and maintain them in your relationships. And there's like some journaling sections and everything. So you can find that in the show notes. <laughs> yes, we will have a link to it in the show notes. Boundaries <laughs> yeah, could be a whole show in and of itself. Most people are terrible at setting and keeping boundaries. So, so that get I, that guide. I highly recommend you get the guide. <laughs> Click in the link in the description and grab it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And then also... Um, same thing. I also wrote a book, which is um, currently out for pre-orders and you can find that in all the links in my bios. Um, and the same thing. I always say like, if you buy the book, let me know and I'll give you the boundaries guide. But regardless, if you can't, for some reason, find the boundaries guide, DM me and I will send you the link. And what's, what's the title of your book? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm so bad at that. I'm like the worst at promoting it. Um, 
the book is called what I wish I knew about love. So essentially since I'm a dating and relationship writer, I really wanted all of the, the lessons and the research and everything that I've um, culminated to be put into one book along with really great juicy stories and everything um, to help guide people through everything from breakups to self-love dating and creating a thriving relationship. So it's all of that into one book and it's called what I wish I knew about love. That sounds fantastic. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So check that one out too. Mm-hmm. Kirsty, thank you so much for the great work you're doing and, and helping people with. It was a pleasure having you on today's show. Yeah. Thank you both. This was a lot of fun. All right, everybody. That's all the time we have for this episode and we will see you next week. We hope you like this episode of the Love Lab podcast. If you enjoy this show, subscribe, leave us a review, and share it with your friends. And for more free, exclusive content, join us in the Passion Vault at CelineRemy.com forward slash vault. That's C-E-L-I-N-E-R-E-M-Y dot com forward slash vault. Thanks for listening. And remember, you're amazing. <laughs>